flamethrower Shireen here. Well, am I ever delighted to have on their publication day, Jashvina Shah and Evan Moore, co-authors of Game Misconduct, Hockey's Toxic Culture and How to Fix It. I am so excited to have them here. Welcome to you both. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Long time coming. I'm so excited to have both of them here. And let me tell you a little bit about our guest. Jashvina Shah is a friend of the show, has been on before. Jashvina is a reporter who currently covers college hockey and has covered a lot of sport at all levels for a decade. Her work has been featured as an honorable mention in the Best American Sports Writing 2019-2020 editions. Currently, Sha is a national college hockey reporter, and in her free time, she spends it with s'mores. Her dog researches about pirates and crochets. Evan is currently Chicago Public Schools press secretary, but in addition to that, his work, so impactful, consists of topics of the intersections of sport, media literacy, race, politics, violence, and culture. He has been featured in Rolling Stone, Chicago Magazine, Chicago Reader, Chicagoist, DNA Info, ESPN's Undefeated, and Bleacher Report. His work was featured in the 2019 edition of the Best American Sports Writing Book Series. Evan is also a 2018 Lissagor Award winner, and an, he is an adjunct professor of journalism at DePaul University and vice president of print for the National Association of Black Journalists, Chicago chapter. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> you guys, you guys fancy, huh? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I read this book and I loved it, which can be no surprise to anybody. I need you to tell me about the inception of this book, particularly because it is a book about a sport that is predominantly white, written by two non-white people. So let's talk about how this came to be and how did you both end up collaborating on this important piece? It was all because of a tweet. <laughs> yeah, it's all started. Like, she just set that up like a uh, podcast, all because of a tweet, and you just hear the music, and then I come in and say, you know, something like, well, we have both been individually been talking about this idea without, obviously, without each other knowing it. And like I said, I saw a tweet and I reached out to Jasmine and was like, hey, I saw your tweet. I'm literally thinking of doing the same thing. Let's, you know, collaborate on this and, make, you know, make, make it a, a crossover event. And, you know, she was still with it because over time, you know, being a freelance writer, as you, as you all know, is sometimes... You had this information that you never use for a story or it could be like a kill fee or you already filed a story and people get back to you like after you've already filed your story. And so you have all this information and that's kind of, you know, like what was my impetus of like wanting to do this. OK, so I love that. And it literally had you guys worked together before or did you meet over Twitter, like in our crew? Well, we, yeah, we met over Twitter. We I had Evan on my podcast once Um Evan and I met when the Frozen Four was in Chicago, and apparently when he saw me, I was curling my hair in the hallway, which is very on-brand for me, so... <laughs> oh, boy, that, that trip was a trip. How many... What, what year was that? 2017. Yeah. Wow. So you decided to collaborate. So did you have an idea, and did you pitch editors and publishers? Like, how did it happen? Well... I mean, you know, journalists, you know, we're around a lot of people who've written books and I reached out to some like publisher that I knew and, you know, we reached out to Dave's Iron and we, uh, you know, basically, you know, ripped from his, uh, his book template, you know, from one of his previous books 
And knowing the fact that some publishers, they won't even like talk to someone unless you have a literary agent or some of them, they want two or three chapters already, you know, for them to take a look at. And hockey books are a tough sell. And we're talking about something that, you know, let's get a piss a lot of people off. And we, did we reach out to a couple of publishers who was like, this is great, but where's the audience or whatever? And, you know, looking back, you know, like the publishers who we thought it will, this will be a slam dunk were like, thanks, but no thanks. And the publisher found books where we were kind of like, well, they probably won't do it because they do a lot of instant books that come out when the championship like one like within a day or two later you're like how did book even out already <laughs> and also you know they've written you know books about some of the people that we we, we talk about in our book so you're i was also kind of wondering like uh, you know they go you know talk to us about this and i remember one of our very first uh meeting with the publisher over the phone and one of them was like oh yeah hockey players are so great they're they're this and that they're saw the earth people and everything else. And we're like, well, that's kind of it. Like, you know, why do they get to have that exclusivity and other players and other sports are, are seen as, you know, you know, barbaric or some of the worst uh, tropes and stereotypes you can have for, for players. So yeah, that first conversation, the publisher was a, well, the spirited one. So <laughs> spirited and Oh, those salt of the earth hockey players just, you know, wow, Josh, did you get initial pushback? Because, I mean, you are not someone who has ever shied away from that. And you get a lot of criticism generally because of the nature of the work that you do and what you talk about. Um, have you felt that with this particular project? Do you mean like generally or from when we were kind of shopping it to publishers? Both, actually. That's a great question. I didn't think about publishers, but yeah, obviously that's probably. Yeah, because we did get rejected a couple times, actually, before we um, landed with Triumph. And uh, it was more so like not really a lot of pushback, but they just didn't want to take it on personally, like from where I am in college hockey at this point in my life, I have pretty much pissed off a lot of people who just generally do not mess with me. So they're just not good. They just don't acknowledge my presence. So they're not going to say anything one way or the other. Like they'll just ignore it, like straight up ignore it. So I mean... I mean, Evan and I have had people tweet at us, like random people who like, you know, are Matt 7,500, you know, those people like will tweet at us just being like, no one cares. And I had, um, I was tweeting at a hockey player actually, because I was like, oh, you might be interested in our book. And someone had responded and said, no one wants to see more of your work. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I'm so used to it, but it's just like. I mean, they're just the same trolls, so it doesn't, whatever, their opinion doesn't really matter. So, I mean, there are, like, some creeps who are constantly stalking our Twitter feeds, which is just, they don't realize their behavior is very creepy, but it is, and they should stop, uh, who are, like, constantly screaming. It's just very, very weird. So, yeah, I guess, like, there has been pushback in that sense. Um, I haven't really felt it directly from any of the teams or so, and actually... I now don't cover the Big Ten anymore because I'm national, but I was up until very recently. So actually, one of the interviews in my book is Ryan Miller, and I got a hold of him because I know the head coach at Michigan State because I've been covering him since he, you know, started coaching college. And, you know, he's someone who I, I explained to him what we were writing about, and I just said, hey, like, you know, I know Ryan Miller is like involved in a lot of activism and stuff. Uh, would you mind seeing if you could connect him with me? And he did. 
Like there, there's no pushback whatsoever. So, I mean, I've gotten a lot of support from people in college hockey. Like I know when I'm in Chicago, I'm definitely meeting up with my big 10 people. We're going to celebrate. <laughs> so yes. And no, but a lot of people in college hockey are too afraid of me to be publicly outspoken against the book. So that's kind of where we are. I think that's a, that's something that's powerful and also can be something that it's almost like when you get that criticism, you know, you're doing something right. What I wanted to ask was that um, there's, you know, a, a pretty wonderful community and a burgeoning community of racialized people that are into hockey and those that are from the margins. And what I really love about the book is that you actually hit on a lot of those things. It wasn't just actually about, you know, structural racism and institutionalized racism within hockey. And you separate hockey, the game and hockey from the toxic culture, which I think is really important. And it's done in a very meaningful way, but also how you also outline racism, but also sexism and sexual violence, bullying and hazing, ableism, homophobia, transphobia, and biphobia. And I think that's I've never seen it all in one place before because there's different people who talk about different things in their wheelhouse and but you have it literally in this one book. So how did you how did you decide what to talk about or were both of you on the same page about these things? I think we were mostly on the same page. I think early on we had kind of we made like a master list of a ton of topics. And then, you know, we had like 50 or so, not 50, but we had a lot. So we had to narrow it down. And these were the kind of six key ones that we decided to feature. And these were the ones that we felt were, I don't want to say the most important, but that needed to be talked about in this book pretty pressingly. Um, and they were big topics. And there were only, you know, like two really that Evan and I sort of fall into the category of. Um, and the other ones, you know, we relied heavily on other people and their experiences and their voices and like using um, the book as sort of a vessel for their message and what they've experienced. And just sort of in terms of talking with other people as we were interviewing as well, you know, these were kind of the same topics of things that they thought were really important that, you know, needed to be touched on. There are many more, unfortunately, that we just didn't get a chance to mention, but these seemed to be like the ones that absolutely had to be in the book. Evan, how much of yourself did you bring to this book? There are some incidents and some things that family found out about. You know, I talk about how I was called the N-word by a teammate back in high school, and how I got that to myself. And I remember my mom reading the book, too, was like, is that why you wanted to leave that school? It's like, no, but it was, it was top five, you know? So, but, uh, but yeah, I think for me, like saying in other interviews, how like what one of my goals is, is, you know, as you know, my daughter plays, plays hockey and I don't want ever to be a situation where she, someone, you know, says something to her and, you know, she, nobody does anything about it. I wanted to, you know, tell me or, tell the codes or or something. I don't want it to be a situation where like people like me and Akima Lou who, who internalized what happened to him for years and had an adverse effect on probably how he saw himself as, as a person and, and as a player. And I think a lot about that because I remember interviewing Jamal Mayers for a story a couple of years ago and we were talking about it and he was saying like, thinking about that, he was like, this guy didn't have anybody to reach out to and he probably, you know, looked at coaching in a negative way from from then on. So other stuff is, 
you know, how I became a hockey fan, because I get that a lot. You know, people always ask, how was the story of a black man from the south side of Chicago, you know, being a hockey fan and not only, you know, being friends, like, you know, bring pretty knowledgeable about it. So I'll say that. I'll say, you know, there's some of the stuff that's kind of happened over time that I've noticed in the sport, you know, in terms of like, you know, race and um, cultural things and generational stuff and like listening to sports talk radio here in Chicago and people just being like, how Blackhawks fans being like really angry that people are talking about the Bulls. And it's like, we're in a basketball city. Like, that's weird. And, and also the people from places like Toronto and, and hearing from them how they, they felt like they were turned off by hockey. And I feel like that's a correlation between that and the number of, you know, uh, NBA players who are from, you know, Canada, particularly the Toronto area. And I feel like part of that is the uh, repudiation of, of hockey culture and uh, that attitude and, and, you know, historically shutting uh, people out. I think that's really important, uh, Evan, like uh, the idea of shutting people out, because that's what you both completely push back against, that idea of exclusion. Josh, what about you and your experiences and what, how were they instructive in the way that you approached writing this book? Um, in a way, in a way, I think that it was and it wasn't because I, I use like writing and journalism as a way to channel my emotions. So like in 2015, when BU lost the national championship game, that was how I <laughs> dealt with it for like two weeks. Um, so I kind of look at everything like from an analytical perspective. And I did mention like some of the experiences that I had had. I don't even know if I mentioned that many looking back at it. I mentioned an, uh, something that I had reported and kind of what had the story behind that and how the incident wasn't really ever dealt with. Um, and I, the only place that I really put anything personal like that was in the introduction, which I'm so desensitized to what happened that I didn't realize how jarring it is for someone to read it, especially someone who knows me, um, because my friends, my family, they all know what happened, but I don't think they understand the extent because my sister-in-law called me and she was quite upset. Like the day she got the book, she opened it up and that's, that's what she started reading, um, so, yeah, that's not, like to Evan's point. I mean, it's kind of terrifying to be like, OK, here, you, you know, I want you to read this book, but I also don't want you to read it because I don't want you to like like it's hurtful, I think, for people who know you, you know, to read what it was like and to know more about what you went through. Um, so that part definitely was kind of vital, I think, for me to add, because it's it was a really big turning point in my relationship with hockey. Um, but the only place where I used my personal experiences really is that I work for a youth serving organization. So I know a lot about youth protection and I had the chapter on um, systemic abuse. So that was something that was super helpful for me because I know what you're supposed to do and I know what's not being done. So while I did do a significant amount of research, I just had that knowledge beforehand. I really love hearing about this because as racialized folks that cover you know, hockey, we're often told that our experiences shouldn't inform the way we approach something. But I, you know, I disagree with that. And I think very much we are in our lived experiences are very valuable. You used real experiences of people, whether it was, you know, Chanel or whether it was Renee Hess as well, who did the forward. Hey, 
Every deep playoff run starts with building an amazing team. Doing the same for your business doesn't take a room full of scouts. You just need Indeed. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Hate waiting? Indeed's US data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Something I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because with virtual interviews, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent all in one place. Indeed knows that when you're growing your business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in our database matching your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to start hiring today. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to ask about the joy that this book brought you. What was in co-writing the most joyous thing about this writing this book? And because the topic is very heavy and we talk about heavy stuff on this show all the time, but I want to talk about what was joyous for you. Evan, what made you really happy about writing this book? Uh, I mean, that made me happy. That's a really good question. I really have thought about that because, you know, we talk about, like you said, a lot of heavy, the content is heavy and it's, and it's not fun. and it's. I guess the fact that that people who who been who have been waiting for something like this for a long time and like you've been saying about like any let's think about most of the books that that have been written about like hockey and race and all these other issues they've been all mostly written by white people but not in a way where it's like because what you said about your thoughts on the book is what we pretty much heard from other folks who who read the book they feel like it's a lot of information and, and they like the way how we tie it all together and i always tell people it, you don't necessarily have to be like a hockey uh fan to understand it because these issues are, are permeate permeate in, in education and in, in law enforcement and in any mm-hmm. you know any vocation you can think of but we're talking we're you know talking about hockey and it seems to be more insidious and in, within the sport I think for me, the one thing that made me happy was that I got a message um, from, at the time, he graduated now, but at the time he was a D1 goalie. And he basically said, I want to talk to you. And when we were on the phone, he was basically like, yeah, I'm scared, but I can't, you know, if I put my name to this, then maybe, you know, someone else will too. And for me, like having been around college hockey for what, like a decade now, um, I didn't think that would happen because I mean, I, I know that we have had, and this player is white. So we have had players of color speak out, but really um, we've had a couple, there were a couple players that I talked to who were white and it was to me like, kind of like, you know, trying, I just didn't think that that would really be the case that. You know, but I mean, we had a player kneeling in North Dakota who was white. And I mean, that's not while I don't believe that, like for white people, like them being scared is an excuse, sort of like that's not an easy thing to do in North Dakota. Like they are crazy about hockey there. You don't like it's just it was a really probably a really scary thing to do. Um, But being able to talk to those players and have them, you know, 
be willing to put their name to it and talk about it and say like, yeah, there's a problem. We need to fix it in a, in a place that's so small um, really meant a lot to me and it really made me happy. And I, I, I still talk to this player. So it also personally made me feel less alone because there are a handful of players that I've known in college hockey who I know like I can trust and are good people. So it was nice to have another person. And I love very much what you just touched upon about community and sort of expanding that community and that community that understands that these things are interloped with hockey, which is one of the reasons that made sense to me that Renee Hess, who was the founder of the Black Girl Hockey Club, did your forward, because that's what it's about is community. And you both have really given everybody a gift with a spark. Not only is it informative and necessary, but it is there's at no point where there's a boundary of who can and cannot love hockey. And I think that's so important, but we're going to have some fun because I have both of you on at the same time. So I'm going to do a hockey rapid fire (laughs) round for both of you. And my questions are not censored. So you got to answer them. Okay. Okay. And then we'll do it this way. I'll go, I'll go Josh and then Evan and the next one, Evan, then Josh and back and forth. Okay. So there's only like five questions. Here we go. Rapid fire round. Favorite hockey team of all time, Josh? Oh, God. College or pro or anything? Anything. Obviously, be you. <laughs> Evan? 2010 Blackhawks. Favorite player of all time? Uh, that's really hard. I'm going to go with Doyle Summerby because he was one of my kids. I covered him when he was in college, and I've known him since he was, like, 18 years old, and I trust him. <laughs> For me, Doral McGinley. Oh, yeah. Good one. Best hockey rivalry in the game men or women evan i would say the best one is blackhawks and and red wings because of the respect there with the blues it's pure hate <laughs> let's be honest <laughs> it's a toss-up between usa canada women or bu and bc okay i those answers are so on brand and yes i was waiting for <laughs> one of y'all to say that but yes your answers are totally on brand most influential racialized hockey player of all time josh I guess it definitely has to be William Avery or Angela James. Uh, I'm going to go to left field and name a league, the color hockey league. I'd say that's the most influential like in terms of slap shots and butterfly uh, style of goaltender. What I love about that is my question was about player and Evan's like, no, I'm going to disrupt and I'm going to ignore <laughs> your question. So I love that for me. And I love that for this last question. If you could watch a hockey game with one hockey player, who would it be? It'd be current or retired. Both. One of each. Okay. Uh, play I want to name. He's not officially retired. I'm going to say Dustin Bufflin because he seems like, you know, pretty, pretty crazy. And he was having a good time. But I guess in terms of like, he's not really current, but current player. Wow. Um, I'm going to go on left field because I just, I just watched uh, the uh, Amazon Prime um, documentary scene on the Maple Leafs. So I'm going to go William Nylander. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was not expecting Neil. Like, I'm like, I feel like this is, I feel like this is a personal attack. You know, I'm a Habs fan living up in here. Oh yeah, I know, I know. I was watching that. I was like, Trent's gonna be mad at me for, for watching this, but it just seemed like it was pretty hilarious and also like pissing people off at the same time. So just watch that collapse was kind of cringy, honestly. Like watch it like being documented. <laughs> um the current player is really it's really hard I think um I would have to think in depth about people and their personalities but 
For retired players, I think I would say Kimberly Newell. She used to be a goalie at Princeton, and I did a I did talk to her about goaltending, and she has probably the most insightful answers out of anyone I'd ever talked to about her process and about the technical aspects. So I would enjoy picking her brain during a hockey game. Um, as far as current player goes, oh my gosh, I don't think I have an answer. Someone who plays for the Bruins, probably. Again. Again. Anyways. Pasta? He seems like he would be fun to watch a game with. <laughs> um, this has been awesome. I'm so excited for this book. I'm so grateful to you both for doing this project together. And I can't wait to see you in person so you can sign my copy. And it's really interesting because it's like, it's two of the most important voices, in my opinion, in hockey have done this. And so I thank you. I thank you on behalf of a hockey community that's in the margins. And I think, and I thank you for being on the show. And where can we, before we sign off, where can we find your work? Oh gosh. So easy. Well, I write for college hockey news mostly now. That's pretty much it. But I link to a lot of stuff on my website, which is just my name. Evan? Uh, right now, it's still sometimes uh, stuff out there. So I would say follow me on Twitter, Evan F. Moore. You'll see it on there. You can also follow me on Twitter, but I'm extremely annoying. So that I'm warning you. <laughs> um, I don't think so because that you being on Twitter resulted in a book. So I think that's you're, true. You're... You know, I complain about Twitter all the time, <laughs> but everything in my journalism career I have, I pretty much owe to Twitter. So, you know, and I, I think as much as we hate Twitter and it can be stressful and terrible, we also all three of us met through Twitter as well. So there are spaces for those in the margins to meet each other and connect and create community. And I'm so grateful to be in yours. So thanks again for being on Burn It All Down. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. And I saw you-